Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. This episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by Built Bar. Remember, promo code Locked On gets you $10 off your first box of Built Bars and this week only an additional $5 off every box of Built Bars at BuiltBar.com. Ryan Peacock here alongside the scout Matt Williamson. Excited to chat with our good buddy Mike Sando of The Athletic today. He's very plugged into the league, has talked to numerous league executives about how they felt about other teams' draft, which I'm really interested to talk to Mike about. And then, of course, he dropped a controversial article, as these things tend to be, about the best, the most dominant, not just the best, the most dominant 25 teams over the last 50 years. Before we talk to him, I want to remind everybody to subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend about Locked On NFL, and let them know their team is covered right here on the network daily. Find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Matt is a must-follow at Williamson NFL. Today's guest is an old friend, Mike Sando of The Athletic. You can find all of his work at theathletic.com. You can find him on Twitter at Sando NFL. Mike, the first thing we've got to ask you is how this offseason has differed for you from other off seasons, because uh, for me, it hasn't been that much different because I'm usually locked in my hole quite a bit doing podcasts, multiple podcasts every day. And I'm sure you're usually inside doing a lot of writing every day. Yeah, typically I'm in my home office a, a lot of the year, especially in the off season. I would have normally gone to some uh, mini camps, certainly. Um, but I feel fortunate that, you know, for the most part, our family has not been as affected as some so far. And I think the NFL itself just the timing of everything, you know, came at a time when they had some flexibility. So, um, you know, the real nitty gritty, interesting part from a purely NFL football standpoint is yet to come and still a ways away. Mike, I don't know if you, I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but, but you're more dialed in with NFL teams than, than we are. You know, a lot of people around the league, you write a tons of great articles quoting GMs and people, and I'm not even sure if anybody knows this answer, but are you starting to feel some optimism? I mean, it seems like just reading headlines lately, it seems more and more likely we may have a reasonably, you know, normal off, regular season. Yeah, I mean, I think the fan component in the stands totally remains to be seen, and nobody mm-hmm. knows what to expect there. Uh, just because, you know, putting a ton of people together just may not be the smartest thing, you know, in the absence of some sort of a vaccine or a a cure, which certainly could happen, but usually doesn't happen that quickly. So I have sensed from NFL people kind of throughout the offseason, um, you know, some ups and downs along the way. But I think a general gratefulness that times on their side relative to the other leagues and some optimism that, hey, you know what, by the time the season rolls around, which really they need to be probably following the idea of the 2011 lockout year, right? I mean, some teams were negatively affected, but they were able to play. You were able to come in in August and still play football. So I think that's what teams are thinking will be the case. But there could be a very different look and feel to it, certainly from a media standpoint. I could see practices where there's not media there and there's not even no one's there except for essential staff. You know what I mean? I could totally see that. Uh, And then in the season, playing games, but not having 60,000 people there. Dale Lawley and I were talking, you know, Dale from the he's yeah. my Steeler co-host. And we were talking about this yesterday on our show and he, we were talking about practices and he thought maybe, you know, there'd be 10 media guys in the media room after practice and they'll bring you a player. You know, it might be something like that as opposed to 
everyone's standing around on the sidelines, you know, comparing notes and chat, and maybe it'll be a little more structured like that after practice. Sure. I mean, you could even see a situation like, uh, like at the Super Bowl, um, they obviously don't let all of the reporters come to practice because there's, there's like 3,000 of them there, right? So they'd have a pool reporter or whatever go. You know what I mean? And then they share okay. certain elements of it. Those are things that have been done in the past just as a matter of normal business. So if there's a if there's a threat or perceived threat of people getting sick, I can't imagine that they're going to bring, uh, you know, a player in with 10 reporters who may have flown anywhere in the last six hours or six days or six weeks. Um and then just take their chances. I think they would be a little bit more caution than that. Getting into some of these uh, latest articles you've written at The Athletic, some really good stuff. I love the connections you have with some of the executives around the league and, and getting their unfiltered thoughts on all of the team's drafts in 2020. And, of course, uh, <laughs> the 25 most dominant NFL teams of the last 50 years, ranking teams like this. Uh, it's funny. I was looking at this article, and you start scrolling down, and the end of the article is maybe a tenth of the way down my my scroll meter on the right of the screen, and the rest is comments. So I'm sure you spent as much or more time defending this list of 25 most dominant NFL teams of the last 50 years. Yeah, I actually, I think I have 100 comments in there. We have a little dashboard that shows, you know, how much you're interacting with, uh, you know, each story. And I love this one. And it's it's some defending, but it's really, you know, initially in explaining. And people have questions like, hey, what about this team? And because it's, uh, I used a, I used a formula that's very simple. It has to do with your record and your point differentials, basically, right? And some, some degree of playoff success. Um, it, it's really easy then to explain, okay, here's why this team isn't higher. It's not, I didn't go through my opinion and say, you know what? I really love this team, man. That was my favorite player. And so I put him higher. That, that, there's none of that. So that, that we could debate the formula, but the results are what they are for everybody. So for that article is basically a math formula for you then, right? I mean, it, you had no opinion I, whatsoever. Well, my opinion was what mattered in the formula. So, okay. Right, right, like right. For me, and I played around with different things to it had to pass the smell test. I couldn't be here going, hey, you know what? The nineteen eighty-four Jets were the greatest team. You know, and people would be like, What, <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, right. yeah. yeah, I don't want to do that. I you know an occasional surprise or two, sure, but I think it has to make sense. And so you have to realize, okay, for me it was all right, your record during the season's part of it. I don't want some nine and seven team and try to explain they were dominant. They lost seven games, right? So we, I made 35% of it, just what was your record? I made another 35%. What was your ratio of points compared to what you allowed, right? I mean, if you're scoring twice as much as your opponent, that's awesome. And really in history, I think two and a half times uh, your opponent's score is the last 50 years would be number one. So, you know, I had a little component of the same in the playoffs. And then kind of a tiebreaker one that was 10% of it was, what was your record? What was your point differential against winning teams? I think that's an interesting thing because you get credit for then playing more of them and doing well against them. And that really separated the 85 Chicago Bears. It's funny because you have two different articles that kind of go hand in hand. It's first the the 25 most dominant teams ever, you know, the this year, blah, 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 you know, the 85 Bears. And then you have a new one, I think it came out today or yesterday with every 32 teams, their best year. So, Obviously, right. the 85 Bears was one and one in both. And that makes perfect sense. But something that jumped off the page for the one that came out today, their point differential versus winning teams was plus 188. 
I know. Insanity. Matt, they so first winning teams. When they they so they played nine games against winning teams that year. They went eight and one. Remember, they lost the one. Did they lose? No, they lost to Miami. To Miami. Uh, Monday night, Miami yep. Monday night game. Yep. So the average score of those games was twenty nine point nine to nine. So wow, against they, winning teams. Against winning teams, they more than tripled the score of their opponents and won by twenty one points a game. That's Isn't that insane. awesome? That's the best thing I saw in that whole article of the, the one <laughs> team by team, like plus one eighty eight against winning teams. That's unbelievable. I mean, you're just rolling them, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So how it much? Really, it's really fun. How much did the Super Bowl shuffle and their rap being better than say uh, "Ram It" by the Rams or "We're the 49ers, How much did that play into your formula? <laughs> you know, it did not come into the formula, but I have to give the Bears credit because you know they filmed that the morning after the loss to the Dolphins. Do you know that? Oh, oh wow. wow. So they, they played Monday night. I think it was at Miami. They lose the game. The next morning, they're in a studio just, you know, yucking it up, right? We're the no Super concern. Bowl shuffle. I mean, no concern at all. And it really did kick off an era of teams doing that, you know. Uh, there was good some, stuff. There was the MTV bad. era. Yeah, yeah. The you know the, the Ram video is probably the worst one. Oh, that one's it's amazing. Seen. It's so it's so bad that it's the best one. I think it's the best one. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, uh, it's ra- called Ram it. Ram it. Yep. Oh yeah. boy, that one will get stuck that. in yeah, your head on too. YouTube and just look up Ram it. Ram's oh, video. Yeah. <laughs> okay, a lot more coming up. Mike Sando of the Athletic, his latest most dominant teams of the last fifty years, and an unfiltered look at what some execs. Think about the NFL draft. Have you ordered yourself some built bars yet? If not, and if you just need another box, go to builtbar.com, use promo code locked on, and this week a special offer through May 31st for Memorial Week, $5 off every box of built bars and four new flavors peanut butter, banana, pineapple, upside down cake, coconut, pecan pie, blueberry lemon. That goes with their already 16 amazing flavors, eight chocolate nut flavors, eight chocolate nut free flavors. Bars are covered in 100% delicious chocolate. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high in fiber. It's a go-to snack. It tastes delicious and you feel good about eating them because they're healthy. 20 grams of protein in the peanut butter flavor, only 170 calories and three grams of sugar with three grams of net carbs. If you want to go to the mint brownie flavor, one of my favorites, 110 calories, 15 grams of protein, and only 4 grams of sugar. So go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code Locked On. you'll get $10 off your first order, an extra $5 off this week only, use promo code Locked On at BuiltBar.com. So Mike, I'm looking at your best teams ever list, and I want to get back to the other article, the more recent one too. But the Patriots, starting from 2004, are only, and I mean this as a compliment, only, on their three times. And and they're all 12 and up. I would have expected to see them more. But I also wonder, are is this era a little more competitive? You know, maybe you can't dominate the 70s like the Steelers did in quite as you know strong a fashion, and it's a longer stretch. And I also think some of it is a testament to Belichick that, we didn't just have utterly dominant teams that outscored people. They're outscored people by 188 points versus winning teams. We won close games and beat close opponents to get all these rings and trophies that they didn't just own the league. Well, 
Yes and no. I think there's okay. something to that. So I just now I've got I have all of these teams in a spreadsheet. So I just I just uh, selected the Patriots. So uh, that 07 team outscored winning opponents by 152. You know, that's pretty darn close to the Bears, right? They and that was they, their best team that you. That, was their, that was their best. Yeah. Then yep. there's second, well, most dominant, right? I'm just making mm-hmm. the dominant. So the six the 2016 team, some a little bit surprisingly to me, came in as the second most dominant. It was plus 115. So they're winning by 12.8. Per game okay okay uh then the excuse me my dog's running around here here's yeah, some all right Peter Petter. the third one was the 2014 they were plus 113 so they won by 10 points per game you know they so those top three teams were nine and one eight and one and ten and one averaging winning by double figures against winning teams so that's pretty darn good yeah uh, maybe maybe i just expected them to be in the top 25 five or six times with as many rings as they had. Lately. Yeah. And so, so their top teams were sixth, 10th, 12th. And then there's a gap to 38, 46, 70, 71. Wow. That's a big gap considering the success they've had. Yeah, absolutely. And that, those are some great teams, but I think then you get into degrees of dominance and you see some of those, some of those teams that are a little bit lower. Um, you know, they didn't necessarily win the Super Bowl. Some of them missed the Super Bowl. That was a little bit of a component too. So all those things play together. Another thing that stood out from that one goes back to the year before I was born and the year I was born, that the undefeated Dolphins, the 14-0 team, comes in just behind the 73 Dolphins, who were 12-2. and I know. And when that happened, I was like, uh, I was like, okay, Uh-oh. is that good or bad? You know, I was like, okay, does that say something? And I, I went back and was reading about those teams and members of those teams thought the 73 team was even better, you know, really? which was an easy thing to say because their, their perfect team is known as being the best. Right. So, uh, but the, the numbers really bore that out, bore that out in terms of the quality of opposition, the 73 team played tougher opposition and they were way more dominant against it. So, um, I thought it was really cool that the 73 team was rewarded for that. Sure. The record matters for something. It was 35% of the formula, but you could overcome that, right? It wasn't like, uh, you had to have a perfect season to be, we're not just ranking by the best records. If the 73 team was eight and one and won by 12 points per game against, you know, winning teams and the 72 team was five and zero oh and plus 37 in those, that's a difference. And that was advantage to the 73 team, which was hmm. also much more dominant in the playoffs where they won by an average score in the playoffs of 28 to 11, 17 points per game in the playoffs, the perfect 72 team won by six a game. So again, another little difference. Were, were, were there any teams that, that showed up and you felt really good about the formula, but you thought, man, I really think this team is better than that team. Maybe there's something I should tweak or some. We mentioned these undefeated yeah. regular season teams and, and, you know, the Dolphins in 72, they're at five. The 2007 yeah. Patriots are six, but those Patriots didn't win the Super Bowl. So where do you rank the 2007 Giants? Yeah, the 2007 Giants were like in the bottom 100 teams out of 550. I mean, for dominance. I mean, I'm right, right, right. take nothing away. Their ring counts just as much, and it's amazing, probably even more amazing that they won it all. But in a dominance formula, we're really looking for, you know, rolling teams and being that winning that way. For me, I thought, I questioned in my mind the 2015 Panthers. They were 15-1. and one. They made it in, at number 20. And... I don't know. They were great in the second half of the year, but just just for the first half of the year and then losing the Super Bowl the way they did, I kind of was like, all right, you know, 
it'd be cool if like instead maybe the 76 Raiders were there and the 76 Raiders were 28. I thought, and I got some feedback on that, you know, and I'm very aware of the Raiders and how good they were. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I like, like, I like the 76 Raiders over the 2015 Panthers. I do, but by our dominance formula, you're going to live with one or two of those that, you know, oh, I would change this or that. I think for the most part though, you kind of, kind of nodded my head. Mike, your article came out today on the athletic. Everyone needs to check it out is, you know, again, it, it, every team, it tells you their best season. And at the top, there's not a lot of surprises. I mean, we know the teams that have been dominant. And if you read your article before that, there's no shock. Yeah. But what I found really interesting was scrolling all the way down. Like, the Texans' best season is ranked 32nd amongst best seasons. And they've been in the league 19 years. I originally thought, well, they've been in the league long. We'll give them a pass. But 19 years is you know, a pretty decent body of work, but still what yeah. stands out to me is the Browns at 30 and the lions at 31, they've been around forever and just poor. Yeah. Well, and the Cardinals, I mean, those are the three, yeah. those are three teams that really stood out to me. So this is a 50 year period. So we're going back to 1970 and I guess I gave the Cardinals a pass because I think of Arizona being a new team, but they're not. Yeah, but Arizona has been to the playoffs eight times in 50 years. I mean, eight, that's it. You know what I mean? You think of like a team like uh, Patriots has been eight of the last eight years, probably. You know what I mean? Or the Seahawks have been eight times in the last 10 years or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. Uh, Eight times in 50 years. That is hard to believe. The Browns, uh, again, I mean, you have to go back to the 80s to really find, you know, one or two teams in the 90s, but where they were even really any good, you know? They've won and, the AFC North in 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. That's, that's hard to believe. And the, and number, the Lions are worse. The most dominant Lions team is from 1970. It's It's been all downhill, Lions fans. <laughs> right. Yeah, I wonder how many of our listeners can name a 1970 Detroit Lion. Yeah. I mean. It's not exactly the golden year of the Lions. Well, if you know your history, I mean, Dick LeBeau was on that team. They, mm-hmm. Actually, there's th- three Hall of Famers on that team in 1970. But still, that's a long time ago, 50 years. To really remember it, you're either a historian of football or you're 70 years old, you know? <laughs> right, right. But the the the, <laughs> and the poor play from those three organizations is startling. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it really, that really did come into focus for me, too. Like, wow, their yeah. best team couldn't it's stumble like, into a five-year period. They're most, yeah, they're exactly, exactly. Wouldn't you right. just luck into Pat Mahomes? You know, you know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. Right, right. right. The, the, the quarterback off the draft. But think of that. They got, they got Matthew Stafford, who that I think guy. they're generally happy with. You know, who I think most people would say has, is a pretty good quarterback. That feel and, for him. Like if he was a chief right now, we'd be talking about him as one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And they don't even win. They don't, even, they don't even win yeah. with a number one overall quarterback who's not a disappointment. And, right, and right, him right. throwing to Calvin Johnson for a lot of his career. They had Very Calvin Johnson. Right, they, right. they just have not had the combination of defense, a running back, a receiver, a quarter, you know, all at the same time. There's always one thing at a time or two, you know, and mm-hmm. and that gets them to win nine or ten games. But it's it does show you – I noticed this too, like – you're like, okay, which teams really had the best quarterbacks? But it's kind of like coach, quarterback, organization. Those things kind of go together. Yeah, I don't think the quarterback's enough of an excuse. You know, especially if you're picking the top of the draft year after year and you can get quarterbacks or scout quarterbacks. Like, as I scroll up, too, I mean, 
the best year the Jets have ever had is a 12 and four year when Bill Parcell was a coach. Like I know that's an awful bad stretch, too, man. Wow. Nobody, nobody's like talking about the amazing Parcells era with the Jets. And I'm not saying it was bad because it, it was good. I mean, he's a Hall mm-hmm. of Fame coach, but I was totally struck by that. And in fact, yesterday I was talking to someone about it who from the New York market, and we were like, Really? That's the there's like not even a team. Right. Yeah. There's not been another 12 and 4 team since 1970. Isn't that hard to believe? Yeah. Couldn't make it the game or you know, right. Yeah, I'm gonna call them up because I don't even know if have they had 11 win teams? Um, I I can't remember them ever being a top 10 team. Yeah, so they have won. So the 1998 team won 12 games. So since night, so in the last 50 years, they've had a 12 win team and two 11 win teams. Wow. The 85 Jets and the 2010 Jets. So, um, not That's pretty good. poor too. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really not much better than Detroit or Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. That this made me want to like stack the t- like just do sort of an organizational quality thing. You know, I wonder if the next step is. What's the average season for all these teams over 50 years? Right. Well, oh, yeah. The, yes, you could definitely do that. And that would probably be a reflection of what's your win percentage since then, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, mine, just has, mine just has the playoff teams in there. So I would have to expand it. But yeah, there is some sort of an, like one of the things I think we can do a better job of is, you know, holding the owners accountable to the product on the field over time, you know, and Detroit and Cleveland and right. Yeah, this sort of Cincinnati. thing. Just this sort of thing just tells you golf. It's, it's interesting, funny yeah. because Mike Lombardi, who also writes for the Athletic, often quotes Bill Walsh saying their time together in San Francisco. The coach Walsh would say, "Mike, we only have to worry about eight teams. You know, there's maybe some other teams will have a good year here and there, but there's eight teams we got to worry about." And this kind of holds true, you know that. And I'm sure if you'd figure out the average, if the average Brown season is five and 11. Well, they're not one of the eight teams, you know I mean? It's the same teams consistently. And to your point, that just screams ownership. It sure does. In fact, I'm, I'm calling it up right now. Just so if we just take the average of the playoff teams, mm-hmm. um, yeah, then the Lions go to the worst. It's 49ers that have the highest average. It goes 49ers, Patriots, Cowboys, Steelers, Ravens, Raiders, Saints, and Broncos. Okay, those would be your highest average for teams that made the playoffs. The lowest would be Lions. Ever, you mean? You mean they've ever yeah, made since the playoffs? 1950. Okay. Since 1970, 50 years. So there's some teams that have never made the playoffs in 70 years, 50 no, years? No, I'm just re- gave you the oh, okay. <laughs> okay. league. But the, the, the bottom for average teams that made it, the bottom was the Lions with a 23 power rating out of 100. That's Ooh. their playoff team. Texans, Bucks, Cardinals, Browns, Jets, Bengals, Falcons too, so. Yeah, Falcons had a couple good ones, but a lot of mediocrity at best. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I thought it would be a fascinating exercise, you know, and I I didn't think there's a third piece to do out of it. Maybe there is, you know, it's, it's just fun to do. It is. I think one of the things that stands out most here, and this is the last thought I have on this list, is uh, aside from the 49ers all being too low and the Steelers teams being too high, <laughs> is <Yeah>. that... <laughs> Is that uh, I, I, I expected the 90s era teams to be a little bit higher. 92 Cowboys, you have 25. I thought maybe the 94 Niners would be higher than the 84 Niners and, and maybe that mid 90s Packers teams. Those teams to me were so dominant. Is it because they were so good and beating up on each other or was yeah. it just the other eras left more space for teams to be dominant? 
Well, I think certainly the collective bargaining agreement of 93 with free agency and everything, and then the salary cap coming in over time took an increasing toll on the ability to just truly dominate, right? Which really puts the Patriots in a different class. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there was some of that. I think also, uh, so that that's part of it. I think that's probably a big part of it. But um, I think some of those teams were just excellent over time. And let so if you look at them over an era, they dominated an era. But if you look at like the Bills, had the, their highest team was like in the 30s, you know, and some of their other teams were just lower. They, they were good winning teams, but it wasn't like they were just absolutely, you know, rolling people. So um, I guess I would have to look at it to just say for sure what it is. I just think it's a combination of parity coming into the league for sure. Um, and then sometimes teams that are good over a long period of time aren't necessarily just absolutely off the charts dominant in a given year. Mike, this is too fun. If you have a minute, I'd like to get a couple of thoughts that, that you have from your article about the executives weighing in on the, the 2020 NFL draft, because we haven't talked about that yet. Is that okay? Sure, yeah. Okay, cool. Number one, I mean, the big one is the Jordan Love pick, and and the team deciding to draft a 250-pound running back and a backup quarterback, a quarterback of the future, rather than giving Aaron Rodgers more weapons. And there was an article today that said, um, Matt LaFleur said that he wanted to have more big plays this season in the Packers offense. And you're thinking, well, you didn't draft that way. So uh, what was the league's response to the Packers draft? Yeah, well, you're in a unique situation with uh, an all-time great quarterback and that um, you better be careful not to screw that up. You know, I think there's people who go their entire career without ever having Aaron Rodgers, and they know how hard it is. Look at all these teams at the bottom of our all-time greats list, right? Um, how hard it is to get one of those guys and how special it is when you have one. And we can debate if Aaron Rodgers has declined 10% or whatever, but I think we could all agree that he's not done, right? I mean, he's still a, he's still a top quarterback. And uh, so to not do what you can to maximize this precious window is viewed by some as kind of a form of malpractice. You know, and also you better be careful just sort of messing with that guy, right? I mean, just those guys have more power in your organization than the typical player. And I think that we see sometimes that's difficult to manage. If you look at the end of Dan Marino's career with Jimmy Johnson, they just weren't on the same page, right? And you, Jimmy Johnson's great, he's a Hall of Fame coach, but you can find him that are good coach. You got to, you can't find another Marino. They're still looking for him. I don't know if it's the right call, but boy, I thought the Packers told us exactly what they want to do. And I love Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I've been his biggest proponent of maybe the most underrated quarterback in history in terms of lining him up against all the great ones. But he, I don't think he's been the same the last couple of years. And I'm not saying I agree with the Packers, you know, approach here, especially in such a good receiver draft. But it's sure screaming to me that they want to be the Niners. They want to be the Titans. They want to run the ball with this West Coast Shanahan-type offense, minimize the quarterback. I mean, their moves are screaming it. I mean, they're telling us exactly what they think of Rodgers and how they're going to play football. Yeah, and I guess, you know. um, For right or wrong. Yeah, for right or wrong. I mean, I just. uh, Not what I was saying. You're taking Jordan Love. 
And even if you've got a high opinion on a quarterback, what do you got a 50% chance he's going to be great? 40, 30, 20, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you're you're taking an unknown, a total unknown. We don't know if he's good or bad, right? I mean, three years ago, we all would have said Mitch Trubisky has a chance, right? No, we, sure, we don't. Sure. We don't know. So let's just admit that no one knows if this guy is going to be amazing. So um, I think in the short term, you were a thirteen and three team that probably shouldn't have been thirteen and three. Clearly, you don't have good weapons. I mean, when's the last no. tight end? Who's the last tight end they had? Is it Jermichael Finley that you even cared about defending? Right. Yeah. I like um, Sternberger a lot, but that's a leap of faith. I mean, when's the last time they invested in a wide receiver, really? They haven't they drafted a first-rounder in the in the Rodgers era, so it would be Devontae Adams, right? Yeah, he's not a first-rounder, though, right? No, it's a lot of mid-round round. picks, yeah. right. Uh, Devontae Adams is outstanding, but is the quarterback coordinator staying up all night and putting three guys on him? I'm not saying you have to have that, but... And you can. Be, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, I think it's a delicate situation that um, I probably would have handled differently. I am, though. I do think the off season isn't over, and so, what would you guys think if Green Bay? You know, I, I would say this: Green Bay probably wanted to get the quarterback, and they probably still thought they were going to get a receiver who could help them. I would guess that, and it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. So you maybe applaud them for not reaching for one, right? They did go a little quicker than I thought. Yeah. So what if they are in the trade market for one? You know, what if what if they were to sign an Antonio Brown or or if they were to make a move for somebody who, you know, a Kenny Stills or just somebody who's mm-hmm. a little bit more available because of the draft? Antonio yeah, Brown. Then, yeah. You know, Ant- you know what I mean? Antonio you Brown. Say, then you would say, okay. Hey, they got their quarterback of the future and they addressed this receiver position. And you know what? They got a veteran. So he's in this shortened off season. Maybe he's ahead of the rookie. That would be the most interesting scenario. And Antonio Brown might take a little bit of the circus off the quarterback situation because one thing I think the Packers maybe underestimated is the media pressure and the circus that's going to be created by trading up to draft a quarterback. It's not that they drafted a quarterback high. It's not that a guy fell to them. They traded up to get a player during this Rogers era. And that's going to be every question every day. And that's going to weigh on people. And I wonder if they underestimated that a little bit. And even last year, every Rogers shrug and nod was analyzed by everybody because everyone was wondering if he ran McCarthy out of town and how it's going to work with Lafleur, right? So it was already watch Rogers, watch Rogers. And then that started to die out down by the end of the year because they had a good record and they won a playoff game. And he was great in the second half of the game against Seattle. And he just, okay. You got the sense they could have gone into this year and not had it be, you know, such a threshold. But now um, it's going to be huge. And I really think we're down, you know, we, there's a much better chance we're down to our last year or two with Rodgers and Green Bay. Super quick lightning round. Do you think Rodgers is a Packer in 2021? And do you think Antonio Brown is a football player in 2020? I think Antonio Brown is probably a football player in 2020. And Aaron Rodgers is it's really close. I feel it's 50 50 ish. I'll go out on a limb and just say is not, you know, I th- mm-hmm. is, is not in 2021. Um, I think it could happen a year after that. Gotcha. One final lightning round question. Speaking to all these competing executives, was there one draft that most teams thought, yeah, that team really had a, had the best draft this year? Um, you know, people are, 
were high on what uh, what Baltimore did. You know, I think in most teams sort of are, you sort of get this team that's known for being good in the draft, but I think people felt like they had a nice combination of, of going for value and not necessarily, you know, just checking the boxes of, of exactly what you need. Um, it's funny that you say that though, because it's only been a couple of months that I'm having to refamiliarize myself with all of the drafts. My <laughs> yeah, mind is not in the, my mind's in the top 25. I think the, the Cowboys were one. Yeah. You know, Cowboys Cardinals were the two that I was going to say. Cowboys is probably the one that, that jumps out to me that everybody just is like, gosh, dang it. Even but, if they, they hate the Cowboys are like, dang it, they got that good draft. And you know, just it, it fell right for them. Yeah. And, you know, I think Arizona was one. So here's in Arizona is an interesting one because I think the people in the league felt like Arizona won the media awards. You know, oh, I told you, Isaiah Simmons was high on my board. You know, it's just a guy who <laughs> writes for a website and has a board. Right. Right. Um, right. And I'm nothing against him, but I think there was a little bit of people in the league going, OK, you know, they've taken some players before that weren't necessarily clear, clean position fits. And, and some of them were good, Taron Matthew, and some of them weren't good Hassan Reddick, right? So uh, let's see how that exactly uh, works out for them. Because remember, they didn't even have a second round pick. So a lot of their upper draft is on that. And then everyone, because everyone was ripping, you know, rightfully so to some extent, Houston for their their acquiring of a bad running back contract, people then think that Arizona came out just amazingly well to the same degree and I think we have to see how uh, it works out with DeAndre Hopkins, how well he plays and what he wants in a new contract and all that. So Arizona is one of those great one the offseason teams. And then let's just check back in November. And it may very well maybe Kyler Murray could take off and it may all look great. But it, there are some question marks there, too. I meant to include one more guy in my lightning round. Cam Newton, is he going to be a starter this year at some point? I think he'll start for someone this year. I, I yeah. don't necessarily see, um, obviously teams aren't rushing up to sign him, even though I think he's better than a lot of the quarterbacks that are employed right now. And I think he really got, did get, you know, perfect storm of really got screwed by being released so late and being hurt. But I also think there's a contingent of people in the NFL who look at him and see him, the way he presents himself and wearing scarves and looking different, um, I think there's some people that are turned off by it. I really do. And I think some teams just don't want to deal with it. And you know what? Those teams might be better if they had him on their team. And, and I don't think Cam Newton's a bad guy at all. You know, I mean, I think he's uh, he's a little eccentric, you know, but I think he's uh, if he's healthy, I think he's still a good player. Yeah, I think he had the perfect storm with all those things you said. And he's not for everyone on the field. You know, like you can't just plug him in any offense. No, but that's somewhat on the coaching too. I mean, I think, he, right. you know, part of being a great coach is, hey, you know what, we got this guy who can do a little bit di of different stuff. I don't think you have to, I don't think he's so limited as a passer that you have yeah. to just not have a regular offense. I think he adds another component and, you know, has his limitations as a passer for sure, especially if he's not healthy. But um, when you look around at some of the other quarterbacks in the league, I'd rather, I mean, I'd rather have him than either guy that's playing for Chicago. Oh, yeah. I've been saying all along, if I were the Chargers, I would have signed him two months ago. Yeah, I, I'm with you too. So, um, you know, at the same time, it is a weird off season and those health concerns are real. And I'm worried for him about being able to, like over the next two years, I'd be, I would take the under on him playing 25 games if he were a starter for both years. You know what I mean? Right. I hear you. 
We're out of time here. That is Mike Sando. You can find all of his work at The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter at Sando NFL. Mike, it's always a pleasure. Really appreciate the time today. Thank you, guys. Fun getting back together. That'll do it for today's show. Thanks again to Mike Sando. Talk to everybody next week right here. Locked on NFL. Rabbit, do you-